Good morning. Hey, good morning. Gosh, it feels like it's been a while. Yeah, apologies to our, our buzzies. We we did not record last week. I was in St. Louis Monday through Wednesday. Caught a little cold while I was there and came back and canceled on Thursday. And then we had pushed it to Friday, but then you had something come up. and So we're doing a double header today. Twofer. It's a twofer yep. Tuesday, everybody. There we go. How was St. Louis? It was good. What were you doing there? We were uh, checking out seminary candidates for Grace Hill. So uh, a team of us went down to interview. Um, It was fun. Got to show them the old stomping grounds. So Sheila Taylor had never been to the Arch, so we made sure we drove down to the Arch. She got to touch it and, you know, get a picture with it. And then I took them to the Cathedral Basilica. If you've never been to St. Louis, I think it is a must-see. And you're like, it's just a church. It's not just a church. It is incredible. It is the most beautiful thing you'll ever see outside of going to Rome. As far as church. I think there's three billion mosaic tiles that make up the entire ceiling. It's in, it's incredible. So anyways, so we went there. That's and much. then... Um, three billion with a B? B. Billion. How old is that? I don't know. Hmm. You can ask Christine. Christine was like reading the pamphlets and okay. stuff. Like she was one of those. I, I just like she to look. Yes. You just like to take it all in. Um, Marvel at it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, nice. uh, unfortunately, the barbecue place that I absolutely love, Pappy's Barbecue, was not open on Mondays, so we didn't get to eat there. Um, but yeah, it was good. Um, did the interviews. We interviewed three guys. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to work out. We liked a couple of them, but they have to like us back, and they have other interviews too and stuff like that. So we'll have to see where that goes. You should have sent more likable people. I, I know. I was thinking about that afterwards. I was like, I did the majority of the talking. I don't know if that was the best plan. <laughs> like, Maybe I should have just sat silently in the corner. So, Sheila, yeah. you talk. Yeah. So... <laughs> Um, but I will say all, all of us that went walked away going, you know what? Like the future of the church is in good hands. Like yeah. all three guys we interviewed are fantastic and will be great guys. And so that was nice to see. It would have been awful if you go and you're like, Oh boy. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's start from scratch y'all. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so we were there. Um, I made them stay in the, uh, the Cheshire Inn where, Brady stays when he goes. It is an it's adventure, a, man. It's it a is super high class else. joint. Oh, it is. It is not. <laughs> it, it's something else. It's it's a creepy like old. It's set up like a uh, like little chateau. Okay. And so far, it's got all good. these big paintings. Every room is after an author. Do the eyes? Oh move yeah, with the, you? the paintings are yeah. Um, it's got <laughs> giant bear. It's got a uh, a speakeasy. Okay. Where you have to walk up to a bookshelf and pull a book. Yeah. And then it, the door opens and you can go into it. And it's how do you little... know? How do you know which book? There's an arrow. Oh well. I know. Doesn't that sort of defeat the purpose? Yeah. But you know, it looks cool. <laughs> you pull a book and then it opens and you're going into this little like private, you know, little speakeasy nice. to to sit and have a drink and mm. yeah, that was cool. All right. So. What have you been up to? Well, see, so you were out of town, so I got a few extra naps in, which whew, I felt great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you are old. I know. Yeah. You know the thing about... <laughs> I mean, I wake up at 4 o'clock every day. 4 a.m. Why? No alarm. That's what old people do. 4 a.m. Is this new? It's, it's relatively new. Is it because you have to pee? No. You just get up? I do chug, I chug a ton of water before I go to bed because I feel like I'm always behind on the water intake. So going, you know, drinking yeah. a ton of water right before you go to sleep is a great idea. No. That's, a, that's usually like a two o'clock wake up type of deal. Yeah. No, 4 a.m. Is, is the, okay, what are we doing? Do you get up or do you just lay there? I laid there. I, I, well, I have this little mental battle of maybe I'll just get up and work out or read you know, 
Or maybe I'll just lay here and really try to go back to sleep. And today I laid there and tried to go back to sleep. Mm. Then I give it five. So. Wow. Yeah. It's not ideal, buddy. Not ideal. Makes for long days. <laughs> and I'm ready for dinner at 3 p.m. <laughs> Thing you go to bed at 8 o'clock. <laughs> Early bird special. Yeah. We tried last night. We tried to go to bed at uh, 8.30. And um, that, that doesn't always, as you can imagine and probably relate to, it doesn't always quite work the fam- out. The family doesn't cooperate. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah. Otherwise. Well, I'm, not, I'm not having that issue. I'm having get out of bed and everything hurts issues. <laughs> so I'm wearing my knee brace again. Oh no. What'd you do? I hurt myself at St. Louis. I, uh, the, the bed was, uh, <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. The bed had like a big bed, um, wooden <laughs> frame around it, you know, like, and it sat out like about six inches from the bed. Oh, so I got up in the middle of the night to pee and didn't turn on any lights because I was like, you know, I don't want to wake up. You know, right, like I just want right. to hurry and pee and get back in bed. Yes. And so like I was like doing my little shuffle run, you know, like because you don't want to run in a hotel room. But I was cold because I dropped the air to like 60, you know, so I can bundle up, you know. And uh, so I'm peeing and I run back to the room or run back to the uh, the bed. And I, you know, it's a good six inches out. And like. What do they Ooh. call that? Like hyperextended where you, you hit it and your knee goes backwards a little bit. Oh. Yeah. Like I'm running, trying to run around the bed to get hop in and like hit it. And I was like, oh my God. I mean, took me down. And so I have a bruise right on the top of my kneecap. But like. This is your bad knee? This is my bad knee. As and like, as fortune uh, would have it. Uh, but I mean, like each morning I wake up right now. Yeah. Like I'm like limping. Like it's like all the way through the knee that it's just like stiff and tight. And so that's not good. I'm old. Have you been icing it? No. Oh, you should ice it. Tough it out. I know. Why do we do it? We know what helps and we just refuse. We just refuse to do it. Yeah. Which is just like our message for today. (laughs) We know what we should do, but we just don't do it. What's wrong with us? What, what is wrong with us? I was us? thinking about I was thinking about it this morning. What what do you call it? Like dirty, wretched, black hearted sinners? Yes. Is that the line? Yes. Dirty wretched. You usually do that during sinners. baptisms when you call the babies dirty wretched <laughs> <laughs> You little loud mouth keeping everybody up all night. Yeah. Indeed we are. We are. Yeah. Yep. But Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, we got we got a two for here. Let's yeah. do it. So yeah, we're we're going through the whole book of Matthew, but like I said, we're going to do some little sub series. Take our time here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' longest sermon. And the first week was really setting up the Sermon on the Mount. Um, we were talking about what what Jesus is after in this sermon, and there's one big theme that he keeps coming back to over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's this idea. That he is, so previously to this point, you know, he, um, everyone thought of righteousness, like the, the most holy person was the Pharisees and the scribes, because what they did was they, they looked through the entire Old Testament, they looked at every time God commanded anything, they found 613 times that God commanded something, mm-hmm. and they memorized them. And then tried to live by them and then took them even further than that. Mm-hmm. In, I, I gave the example of like tithing, like God talks about giving a tenth of what you have to the church. And he's talking about money, you know, like resources. And they would go so far as to even tithe their spices. And Jesus <laughs> would call them out on this. Like you tithe your spices to the church, but then you wouldn't give a dollar to your, your family because you say, oh, you know, what I'm giving is already going to the church, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So what Jesus is saying is like, look, you guys, the, the whole world thinks of these people as righteous. Like, and he goes, but that's all external. That's all for show. That's all for everyone else to see. He said, I'm after your hearts because the reality is, is these Pharisees 
while externally they are very righteous, mm -hmm. their hearts are far from me. And what I want is you to transform your heart, not focus so much on the behavior, but focus on the heart. And then when the heart is changed, the behavior would change. Mm -hmm. um, because what Jesus is after, it's, it's not behavior modification. God, God is not just trying to get you to act better. God is trying to change your heart to change who you are, to transform you. He doesn't just want you to do less bad things. He's not trying to make you a better person. He's trying to make you a new person. Mm. And there's a huge difference. But what's interesting is since, since that sermon, I've had at least a half dozen people that have reached out to me to be like, okay, I've always wondered about this. These commands in the, in the Old Testament, like especially in Leviticus, you know, like, you know, if you have an unbeliever in your family, you're supposed to kill him. If you, you know, like all these like weird, crazy, you know, like what about all these commands? Like, what are we supposed to do with this? When did these get it? Because the other part of that is Jesus, as he's saying this, he goes, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Mm -hmm. Meaning that they still are there. Like he, he's not saying they don't matter anymore. And so people are like, what do we do with this Old Testament stuff? Like Leviticus, and, and especially if you're doing the Old Testament readings with us right now. Coming up on it. We're weird. Yeah. We're, you know, we're, we're in Leviticus now, you know, and it's like, what is all this stuff? You know, why did God care about all these little details of, you know, like tucking your, your cloak to your, you it's know. It's got to be this your, color. Yeah. It's got to be this size. Yeah, it's got to be, yeah. And so, so there's three stages to this that you have to catch. First, Adam and Eve. God's intention for human beings is to be in a face-to-face holy relationship with him. When he made Adam and Eve, it said that he would walk among them in the garden, mm. that he would see them face to face, that he would be with them. Um, and, and that's what he wants. That's what he's after. But the only way that can happen, because he is a holy and pure God, he cannot be, you, you, you cannot bring sinfulness and brokenness and, and all of that in front of him. He can't be among that. Um, and so in order to be in his presence, because he is pure and he is holy and he is righteous and sacred, you know, all, all the sin around him, he has to, to expel, you know, um, we have to be holy and pure and sinless in order to be with him. And so Adam and Eve, they were until they fell, then things are separated. And so then God is saying, okay, I don't want to abandon my people. You know, I'm in heaven and, and they're on earth. I don't want to abandon them. I want to be with them. I, I, and, you know, he, his desires to be, you know, when you look in Exodus and, and you know, he, he's leading them by fire at night and uh, he's speaking on the mountain and he's clouded, you know, but he's, he's on the mountain with Moses. Um, and when Moses sees him, his face glows, you know, like, and, and uh, when they have the, the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, he's there and he's present among them in the, in the desert. And then when they build Jerusalem, he's holy and he's, um, he, he's in the Holy of Holies inside the temple. And so he says, look, <clears throat> I want, I want you to be a people set apart for me. I don't want you to have the customs of the world. I don't want you to look like the world. I don't want you to be like the world in any way. And in order for me to be in your presence, you have to be serious about your holiness as well. There are things that you have to purge out of your, your presence. You, we, we can't have, you know, all this other stuff that represents all these other gods and represents all these other things, you know, like you, you have to be a holy set apart people. And if you are, I will bless you. I mean, goodness, look at Exodus, the times that God takes out armies for them and, and God leads them, you know, feeds them miraculously. God isn't feeding America with manna. You know, he's not making water come from rocks for America. Like he, he did miraculous things through these people, for these people. Mm -hmm. And it works because, you know, as the Israelites come into like, you, you take the story of, of Rahab, she says like, we know, like as they come into Jericho, she's, she tells the Israelite spies, like, we know the stories of what your God is doing for you. Like it was a miraculous thing. And he was like, in order for us to have this relationship, you have to purge out all of this. And so that's what the Old Testament, the, we call them the laws of Moses, the Mosaic laws. That's what all the, the laws were, was to, to set his people out to be a distinct 
set apart people, holy and righteous, so that he could be among them. Then, that's stage two. Stage three is Israel rebels, Israel rebels, Israel rebels, Israel rebels. The Ark of the Covenant is taken. They are, God throws them into captivity. God leaves the holy city. Um, and, and so stage three is Jesus comes. And Jesus is God and is among his people face to face. But because he is human and God, he can be among them and, and he can be among their sin and he can teach them about God. Um, and, and he says, look, I've come to fulfill everything of the Old Testament. Like in me, all of those things are going to be fulfilled. And I'm going to make a new covenant, a new relationship with my people. Mm-hmm. And whereas God, uh, previously, God the Father had his relationship with the Israelites. God the Son has come to make a relationship and a covenant with all people of all time, of all places, that all of us can come to him in this new way. And when the, the temple curtain is torn at Jesus' death, it's, it's to show that all of us can come in. There is no more holy of holies and only the Israelites and only the Jews, you know, and only, you know, like all of us can come in. Mm-hmm. And, and so those, those Mosaic laws... Those don't apply to us anymore because we are not Israelites. We are not the Jews. We are not. That was specific to them. But the law still remains, and the law is the Ten Commandments. That's the law. That's the law that remains. So, and uh, people have asked, like, where can I see a list of the 613? I'm sure you can find it somewhere. Like, just Google it. Um, but, uh, But also remember, like, that's not a lot of those Anything that pertains to the Ten Commandments, yes, that's the law that we still obey. Um, but you know the the Mosaic laws, the the things that made them distinct, um, and, and some of them you read and you're like, that's so stupid. Why does he care what color they wear and why does he care how they braid their hairs? Because they were distinct from the peoples around them. Right. They weren't supposed to look like them. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to look like his people, and so he he has all this and some of it. Yeah, I don't know why. He, says it but he does he does and you know like um there's a lot, there's a lot we don't know like well uh, understand you know one of one of the guys was texting me he's like you know <clears throat> what about killing the unbeliever like that you know if you started worshiping another god mm-hmm. like that sounds like a mission field not a kill them and it's like okay well god was doing something different at that time mm-hmm. like it's almost like a cancer where all of a sudden one person starts worshiping the God of the village over, all of a sudden he convinces two, mm-hmm. three, and four. And all of a sudden God's people are corrupted. And God cares more about your your um, your salvation than he does your your uh, temporary time on this earth. Like the most important thing to God is that you are with him forever, mm-hmm. not how long you have on this earth. And God knows hearts and he knows, okay, this person, when they, when they stand defiant and they're going to, you know, worship Baal, um, their heart is far from me. And I'd rather have them be taken out of this situation before they convert more people to fall to Baal Mm -hmm. and more people are lost for eternity. And so at that time, as God saw it, as he was in their presence and he was with his people, it was better to remove the cancer Mm -hmm. to save the body. And that's how he looked at it. Um, and yeah, is that harsh? Sure. But God was serious about his holiness. And he was serious about his people and his righteousness. And he was serious that, like, you are to be mine. And I'll do anything to protect you guys. So, so yeah, that all came up there. Um, but the, the, big, the big takeaway was this, that... Um, what happens is when we are focused as a church on only looking good on the outside, we become what the world calls us, mm-hmm. which is hypocrites. Yeah. Um, in Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he calls us to be people that are focused on being transformed on the inside, not looking good on the outside. Mm-hmm. That honestly we should be willing to to be open and transparent and truthful about what's happening on the outside. That our outside ought to look like what's going on inside. Mm-hmm. That people ought to see our struggles and hear us confess and repent of our struggles. 
um, to say, like, I'm not okay. I am struggling in this way. I am, you know, it's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay there, though, Mm -hmm. that we ought to talk about our transformation and our growth. Yeah, and how how do you even give that any focus? How do you put any effort into it if all the effort is put into pretending or acting like right. things are fine. Right. Putting on the face of the mask of, hey, we're great. We're great. Mm-hmm. You may not be great, but we're great. Um, it, I think it, it robs people of, of the opportunity to be honest, not just with others, but with themselves about where they're off track. And, and the, the coolest thing about it is this. God said, when my church gets this, when they will stop worrying about how they look on the outside and trying to pretend that everything's okay on the outside, and they will instead be honest and and be working on the inside, transformed on the inside, um, God says, it's out of your weakness that I am that, that you are strong. It's out of your, your, your failures that my glory reigns because I made the, the reference to the ugly dog contest, um, which that got some good comments too. Some people looked that up afterwards and they were like, okay, there are some hideous dogs out there. Yeah. And I was like, yep. Um, but that's the beauty of our God is in, in our weakness. As we sit there and we say, you know, I struggle in this way. I'm struggling with jealousy. I'm struggling with lying. I'm struggling with my anger. I'm struggling with this. Like, other people can relate to us because they go, whoa, I do too. Yeah. Why do you admit that? You know, like we we're supposed to hide that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and then when they hear, but I'm loved anyways, and I'm forgiven yeah. and I'm, re- I'm redeemed. That's, that's the message of the gospel that we are loved in spite of our struggles. Mm-hmm. That's the gospel that changes people's right. lives. Not, Hey, act you know, a lot of a lot of the outside people of the world, they think, well, in order to go to church, you have to act like you got it all figured out, and then like you're you're accepted. You know, yeah. and and that's not the truth. It's we come together and we admit where we really are, and we're accepted, and loved, and forgiven exactly where we are. Right. You know, I think I can't. I think you alluded to it, or you actually just mentioned it directly. Um, you know, to 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 pray to God to help you turn from those sins like you're acknowledging them, right. you're being open about them uh but then also to to pray for um for guidance and and protection you know from mm-hmm. from you know yourself really yeah um save me from myself save me from myself yeah i mean that's a prayer you ought to be praying absolutely yeah because you know the you know we are our own worst enemies well, we i are. mean that there's a reason that's a pretty common statement you know that's yeah. uh, that's that's put out there um, it, you know, calling it out and confessing those sins is is very important. But that next step has got to be now, Lord. Thank you for for, mm-hmm. for forgiving me. Help me to 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 march forward on a path that you would have for me, mm-hmm. and and keep my focus on and my eyes on you, not on the things of this world, and not these sins that are very regular for me and for you and for everybody else. Right. And then the, the second part of that sermon was this. Jesus said, when my church gets this point and they start working on uh, transforming the inside instead of focusing on the outside, then they will be the salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. They, and what he, what he meant by that, salt at that time was a preservative. You would pack meat and salt so that you would protect it and save it for months, years even. And, and he's saying, like, look, when, when my church starts acting this way where we're honest about where we are we preserve one another we hold on to the integrity of what he calls us to be that mm-hmm. like he's like i want a place where we're not trying to fake it where we're and and being that for one another we preserve that true mark of who we are as a church that humility that we need and so we're that salt for for the world that that we preserve the true picture of who god wants us to be on the earth that he can, you know, city on a hill, he can point to and say, that's what I want for everybody, mm-hmm. that we need to be that salt. And then also he says, in the same way, you don't hide a light, like light gives off into the darkness. Mm-hmm. It, it shines in the darkness. And, and you are to be that light in the darkness of where people see there is a way out, there is hope, there is, you know, um, redemption that can be found. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I don't have to, 
because you have two types of people on the outside. You have the people that are acting like everything's okay and they're faking it and they're hypocrites. And then you have the people that say, I could never be that, and they give up. Yeah. And so, like, that light into the darkness shines to them saying, no, 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 you're loved exactly where you are. And we're inviting you into something greater, like where you don't have to stay that way. You can come. Um, and so uh, we're called to to live this out, to be a light to the world um, so that as as people look at the church, they, they say they have something I want. Yeah. They have an honesty, a confidence, uh, an integrity. <clears throat> they're not being fake. They're being real about what they're at, but they're also walking in confidence and love because they know that they are loved and they are forgiven and they are, and I see them changing and, yeah. and that we are to be this example. And, and then the thing I ended with is this, it is not our goal to be a city on a hill or to be the light. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like we should not be saying, I want to live, I want to make my life look in such a way that people want my life. Right. We are simply to focus on Jesus and Jesus will use us. Yeah. To do that. Yeah, light light um, uh, reflectors, light bearers. Um, right, like the moon. Yeah. He's the sun, we're the moon. That's right. You know, I we were talking about in a small group uh, last week, just uh, reflecting back on the, uh, the video with Chris Oltman's, his testimony, and how, you know, he, his life has been, you know, really transformed. And then people notice something is different about him. They're looking yeah. at him and they're like, yep. there's, you're a different kind of person. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think a lot, I thought a lot about that video during yeah. your message because, uh, he's got people coming to him going, what is this? What is this? Yeah. And, and because he is a real guy and he's open, yeah. um, uh, they find and, and you know, the so goal is not to live in a way with that motivation of like, I want people to see this in me. The The goal is to just be genuine, just to, be to gen- follow Jesus yeah. and Jesus will use it. Yeah. Jesus will bring the people to mm-hmm. you. And, and that's what we talked about is the, the church is the hope of the world because in the church, God doesn't just save one type of person. He saves people from all education backgrounds, whether you got a degree or, or not, all home backgrounds, whether you grew up in a great home or a horrible home, you know, economic status, personalities, life stories, politics, like all come together, all, you know, grow in this way where we, we are transformed by Jesus and we're a a vast community of different types of people and backgrounds. Yet we come together around him. Mm -hmm. And when people see this, they're going to go, I want to be a part of that. Whatever that is, I want to be a part Mm -hmm. of that. And he's going to use it. And that's what we talked about was that's the intro to the, um, the city on a hill series or the, the sermon on the Mount Mm -hmm. is that's what we're called to be. And Jesus will do that. And then the second part, um, or the, the rest of the sermon on the Mount, he's going to call out certain areas of life and go deeper into them. And, and that was, uh, for this week, the PG 13, uh, uh, kind of lesson here as we get into lust and divorce and marriage and, um, but he, that's the first thing Jesus goes into is, okay, let's talk about, let's talk about marriage mm-hmm. and divorce and lust. Um, because look, like, I think a lot of times we think our sin or our <coughs> wild living, like we invented that. Like, no, like re- remember Jesus' day. He w- he was alive. I mean, like Alexander the great was 300 years before Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, um, there, there was huge culture already like um and the greeks and the romans were alive and well like those cultures and that that debauchery and and sexual practices and you know divorce and you know like this was happening back in moses's day where like people were just getting divorced like crazy just like yeah i'm leaving you i'm going to that person well are you leaving me or are we divorced are we separated or are we divorced that's not a brand new concept (laughs) That was happening in Moses' mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Like, literally. Like, people are just like, <laughs> it, a million people in the desert, and they're like, hey, I'm going to go hop into that tent tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, like, in, and they're swapping partners, and they're, you know, like, and, and so what happens is, 
Moses says not that he condones the activity, but you, you guys can't just say, hey, we're done. And what is that? And, you know, the wife's like, well, what does that mean? Are, what does what we're done mean? Like for tonight? Like, are you just angry? Are you coming back? He goes, if you're leaving your wife, you better give her a certificate of divorce. There would be something tangible that mm-hmm. says we are legally done. And, and so these guys were doing that. Like, okay, I'm done with you. Certificate of divorce, here you go, I'm done. You know, I want to be with this person now. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, like, and they could say it for anything, you know, just leave her. Um, and so that was the practice that was happening up until Jesus' day in the Jewish culture was give her a certificate of divorce, go get a new wife, whatever you want to do. You know, like, and, and so long as you had a reason to write down, so long as you gave her a certificate, you know, it's not adultery. You're not cheating yeah, on her. <laughs> Look, yeah. here's the paper. Yeah, here's See? the paper. Right it's not yeah. adultery. It says we're done. Yeah, we're done. Move out. Yeah. I'm moving this woman in. It's not adultery. Um, and, and so that's what Jesus is dealing with as he comes on the scene. And he goes, look, I want, I want to talk about this divorce thing you guys are doing. He goes, just because you give her a certificate of divorce doesn't mean it's not adultery. And they go, you know, it's like alarm bells going off. Like, what? you know, like, what did he just say? Like, Moses told us we were allowed to do that. Like Moses said this, mm-hmm. he goes, no, no, Moses gave you a concession because your hearts were hard and because you guys were doing just absolute debauchery and it was a mess. But I'm telling you that not only is that still adultery because you're just leaving your oath, you're leaving your spouse and you're just going to a new person. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you that you, you want to know what kind of people we're called to be. Adultery isn't just a physical act. Even if you lust after a woman in your heart, you're committing adultery. Like, can you imagine how radical that was to these people who were walking around just like walking up to their wives? Here's your certificate. You know, have a nice life. Like, if you even think about a woman mm-hmm. lustfully, that's adultery. I think of that uh, that monkey meme. Um, it's like a, it's like a gif where the monkey goes. Oh, where he's looking sideways? <laughs> yeah. And I, all I could think of was in church on Sunday morning. People were like, uh-oh. <laughs> Don't move. Be as still as a statue. Don't move. But I mean, like, I, I remember um, there was a... Uh, um, I don't know how much I want to say. There was a guy, when I was growing up, there was a guy going to our church um, who was like a family friend, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, I was over at their house, you know, and hanging out with their son, you know. And they they all went to church with us regularly every week, you know. And, like, his dad said something about going to a strip club, like, with his friend. Like, that they they went when they were, like, somewhere. And, And I was like, what? You go, you know, like, I didn't think my dad had ever been. I don't know, you know, and, uh, and he was like, oh, you know, she didn't care. She just said, look, but don't touch, you know, and, uh, and I remember thinking like, oh, like, okay, so that's okay for, you know, like, Christians (laughs) just look, but don't touch, you know, like, you get out your notebook. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently this is okay. To do list. Yes. (laughs) So long as you look, but don't touch. And I I remember that. Like, um, and and I think, I think for a lot of people, if you were to ask them, what is cheating? Because I I get into this all the time in our marriage counseling, you know, like, uh, we're, we're just having an emotional affair. What the crap is that? An emotional affair? Like, we're not doing anything physical. We're just spending a lot of time together talking about, you know, like all our problems, talking about how happy we make each other, you know, like, you know, like, and it's like, okay, is that really cheating? You know, like, is that that I'm spending all this time? And, and, and Jesus is stepping back and going, what does your heart want? Does your, is your heart fiercely faithful to your spouse right now? Because if it's not, it's adultery. And that just sets everybody back. And they go, well, but I'm not actually doing anything. We're, mm-hmm. We haven't kissed. We haven't, you know, like, we're not, we're not going to have sex. We're not going to, you know, like, and, and Jesus goes, is your heart fiercely faithful to your spouse? Because if not, you're, that's adultery. If you are not every day saying, you know, 
repenting of, and look, that's the thing. Jesus isn't saying like, we're going to be perfect at this. Right. I mean, I, I will admit this as your pastor, if you think I'm, you know, like, of course, when a smoking hot woman, you know, scantily clad comes walking into a room, does it catch my eye for a second? You bet. I, I am a, I'm a warm blooded man. You know, like I, I, that catches your eye and you're like, Oh, okay. What you do in that next moment mm-hmm. is what Jesus is talking about. Yeah. Do I sit there with my, you know, Googling eyes? <laughs> right. Do I, do I whistle and, and, you know, like, you know, cat call and all that and, and stare and, and sit there and be like, Oh my, I bet that would be, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, that's a lucky man, you know, or whatever you're, you're thinking, yeah. you know, or do I, I look at that and go, ah, oh, gosh, you know, that, that's not, that's not helping anything. Right. That's not, you know, I have a good woman who loves me and, and takes good care of me. And, you know, the, it's one of those things like, you know, I, I've talked about this at some guys events, you know, if it was just you and your wife on a deserted Island, that was the only woman you saw. Like, and that, that was it. I mean, how into her would you be? <laughs> you know, like that was, that's it. That's all I got. That's the only, you know, Adam and Eve style, you know, like this is the only woman I've ever seen. This is the only woman. And God's going like, can you imagine how into your wife you would be if you were focused on her? Mm. And and look, and and Jesus goes, and for all of you that are so focused on the physical that you're, you're missing out on the beauty, like beauty is more than just physical. Mm. Like, I mean, I, I remember as weird as it was, the, the way I knew I loved Joe differently than any other date or, or girl I had ever mm-hmm. dated was when I saw her with her, her little nephew. And I remember we, we had only been dating, I don't know, a month. And we went up to meet her family and stuff. And the way she like grabbed that little baby and just snuggled him, I just immediately in my heart, I was like, I want to give her one of those. Mm. Like there was something attractive about the way she, her, her, her motherhood like attracted me where I was like, oh man, like I'm in trouble. You know, like we're, we're, um, you know, still to this day, like she'll be doing something. I'm like, what are you, why are you doing it that way? And, you know, like, and, and she makes me giggle, you know, like, just like, what? You're making this like five times harder than it has to be. You know, she's like, well, I was doing this because I wanted to do this. And I, you know, like, and, and you're just like, you find these little, mm-hmm. you know, nuggets that only you get to know. Yeah. This joy. Yeah. And you find this joy and the more you ask and the more you pursue and the more you, you know, um, it reminds me of like Goodwill Hunting. I love that movie. And, and, uh, where, where Matt Damon and, and, uh, Robin Williams are talking and he's talking to him about relationships and he's like, it's the things that only you get to know, you know, that, and I think the line in that was like, she farts in her sleep and he blames it on the dog, you know, when it wakes her up or something like that. And, you know, Matt Damon's loving, laughing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that, that's the beauty of a marriage. It's like, there's things only I get to know about mm-hmm. her. And that, that I have spent, you know, even her own family doesn't know these things about her. That as I get to know her at a deeper level. And, and God talks about like, look, the beauty of your spouse is deeper than just physical. Yeah. Like you should be pursuing them emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And, and that um, God says, look, lust will destroy your relationships. And the problem with our culture, and this is not new today, this was true in Jesus's day is it is obsessed with sex. It is obsessed with sex. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can remember it as young as, you know, uh, middle school when the very first, you know, couples started being couples, you know, and everybody was obsessed with like, have they kissed? Have they kissed? Are they holding hands? Are they, you know, how they, how, did they get the second base? Like, mm-hmm. like there was just this obsession with sex. And then it gets worse in middle school and high school and college, you know, where, I mean, college, good gosh, like my college experience at UCF, I mean, that was a a free for all. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I can remember parties where, you know, doors would be open and people would be going at it. And you're just like watching and looking and you're like, what is, you know, like girls are on tables, butt naked, you know, dancing and, you know, for hundreds of people watching and cheering and throwing beers, you know, you know, and note to self, do not send my daughters to UCF. No, it always gets ranked as one of the top party schools. Um, like I remember every Valentine's day, there was a lingerie party, like the, um, there was this one sorority that would throw a lingerie party where every girl was in lingerie and they charged like 20 bucks. (laughs) And it was, it was a circus. I mean, it was just a madhouse, you know? And, and it was crazy. Um, and so like what I'm saying is like our culture is obsessed with sex and, and we get warped and we get shaped by this and it impacts our relationships and impacts our marriages and impacts the way we date and impacts the way we move in together. It impacts every, you know, like, and and it's just, and God goes, look, it's going to destroy you if you don't get control over it. Um, because the reality is, is, you know, most of the marriage counseling I do, at least at some level, if it's not the main issue for the guy, it's one of the, it's one of the main issues. And and if it isn't, it probably actually is. Right. Right. And, and it's, and, and it's something that, that, you know, we need to address as a church, because if we don't talk about it as a church, then, then everyone's going to get all of their information elsewhere, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and all of their well, what's <laughs> right for me and what I deserve. Yep. And, you know, and so as a church, we got to talk about this, that like, yeah, we need to pursue our spouses mm-hmm. and, and intimacy is important, but it's not the main thing. And, you know, when we're sitting there going, well, you know, the sex is really infrequent and the sex is really not that fun and the sex really isn't that good. Well, um, the world's idea of more sex and more technique and more outlandish and more this and more this and more this is not the answer. The answer is deeper emotional, spiritual, uh, and physical connection. You know, that, that you you want to dive deeper into the intimacy of your spouse than actually dive deeper into all aspects of your spouse, Mm -hmm. emotionally, spiritually, you know, um, serve one another, fill one another up with, you know, like we talk about the five love languages from time to time. Like it's your partner. Are you doing anything to fill their bucket? Yeah. Or are you just saying my bucket's empty? My bucket's empty. My bucket's empty, you know? And we need to pursue one another and we need to chase after one another. And, um, and, and the craziest thing about this, and as I wrote the sermon, I was just like, nobody's going to believe this is what marriage was designed for in the first place. Like God says, Hey, I need the world to know how Jesus loves the church. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have men marry women in this unbreakable love vow oath and that'll point to the world Mm -hmm. how jesus loves the church there is no one alive i that i've ever heard of that when they get married thinks this is what we're doing Mm -hmm. we're going to help point people to jesus loving the church right i mean is that what you were thinking on your wedding day no (laughs) it's not what i was thinking i was thinking yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, like, we I was think, not thinking that. No, we, we think, you know, I want to love this person. I want to spend my life with this person. This person makes yeah. me happy. I want to have kids with this person, whatever it is. We are not thinking this is a holy, sacred moment where I'm going to make a vow. I'm going to, I'm, does my word matter? Does my word stand for anything? I'm going to make a vow before God and these witnesses that I'm going to love this person more than I love myself. Yeah. For better or worse, in sickness and in health, yeah. and until death do us part, and that I, no matter what, and that's why I love weddings. The day you you walk off that platform and walk out into life, you have no idea what the next day holds. Right. But what you're saying in that is, you have a partner for life. No matter what. No matter what. Yeah. You have a partner for life. Yeah, I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to walk with you, even when it's ugly, even when it's hard, even when there's tough seasons. And and Jesus says like. Look, 
<clears throat> there are a couple reasons you can get divorced. There's a couple. Infidelity, abuse, abandonment, you know, neglect, and, and you know, but we, we fell out of love. We don't have feelings for each other anymore. Mm-hmm. The intimacy's not good anymore. Um, we have different, different goals in life now. Um, we just aren't happy. We're fighting all the time. We're like, none of that, none of that is valid Hmm. in in Jesus's eyes. Um, and, and so God's going like, look, this, you are, you are breaking apart something that I'm, I intended to be unbreakable. Mm -hmm. And and so people come at me and they're like, well, what if I married the wrong person? (laughs) You know, like. What if, what if the reason we got married was wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, what if we hooked up in a bar one night and I got pregnant and I said, well, pff, we should probably give this a go and maybe we shouldn't have. Maybe we're, we're completely the wrong people to be together. What do you say to that, Pastor? I say, <laughs> I say, is there adultery? Is there abuse? Is there neglect? Mm-hmm. Is there abandonment? Because if not, this is a picture of Christ loving the church. And Christ loved a church that was very hard to love. And Christ sacrificed for a church that didn't deserve it. And Christ put himself lovingly for the church, Mm -hmm. even when he didn't get back what he deserved. Right, yeah. Loving in a way, not not doing things or loving in a way where you expect that to be reciprocated because he didn't because it was not possible loving in a way where there was nothing in it for him. Right. At all. And, and when we look at our marriage as this is not about what I get and what I deserve and what I'm entitled to, this is about me putting somebody else first and building a, a life with them that points to Jesus. Well, I, I do think it's possible. Mm-hmm. I do think it's possible. Yeah. I, my, one of the things that, that I think, uh, it would be just an, in, an interesting question to ask, um, or, or something to observe is, you know, when, when the excuses start to, to bubble up, Yeah. you know, like, well, we fell out of love or I married the wrong person or, right. you know, show me the rest of your life. Outside of your marriage, aside from your marriage, show me the rest of your life. Show me what you're doing aside from your marriage. How are you living? Show me that. Mm -hmm. Because I bet we could write bullet points down of what we'd expect the reality of, of, of the, of those lives, um, how they're being lived, decisions that are being made, choices that are being made. I bet we could bullet point those out. And say, let's focus on this a little bit. Right. This is a mess. This yeah. is bad. This is not good. This is not healthy right. for you, for anybody. And and, and um, you know, I came from divorced parents. You know, I my parents got divorced when I was two. I don't really have any memory of them together. Um, and it, they both have remarried, and. Um, you know, and that's the story of a lot of people is, is there's divorce in their past and they've remarried. And, you know, well, what does God say about that? Well, look, I, I and and how I ended it was this. Look, the way God talks about intimacy, the word is the Hebrew word dode, the mingling of souls that like he he is literally taking the two and making them one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that God is the miracle worker. And, and I talked about this at the end of each sermon. Um the God who separated the sea, the God who did the walked on water, the God who, who made the world, the God who healed this, the God, you know, like he can repair a marriage. He can. Mm-hmm. I, I have, I have sat with a couple that is divorced, divorced. Mm-hmm. We have one in, in our Grace Hill story. You, and I won't say the name, uh, but they've done a testimony video, not for us, but for a different church. Mm-hmm. 
um, where they were they were already in the process of divorce. Yeah. And one Sunday, they looked across the room at church to each other. They happened to show up at the same service, sit on opposite sides of the church, you know. And they were like, "Oh, this is awkward." Yeah. And during one of the songs, they happened to look over and catch eyes. And they both like just had this sense of like, I don't know if I want to do this yet. Was the song "Baby Come Back"? Yeah. <laughs> You can blame it all on me. This is this you is before your it. time. You probably don't even know that song. There's something. Oh, let's go. I just can't live, live without, without you. you. Dun, dun, dun. Baby, come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, they they catch eyes, and then they end up going out to lunch like mm. a day or two later, and they got remarried, or not remarried, but they they canceled the divorce yep. and they they stayed together and. Um, there, but I, there was a couple that I know of um, in my past that uh, that they were divorced for years. Yeah, and it was ugly. It was all the stuff you, you you know. And then one day, you know, they God just tugged on their hearts. And and that's the thing when you recognize that you are not going to fix your marriage. Yeah. You know, and this is what I talk about with, with the the people I meet with all the time. I, I say like, look, I'm not going to fix your marriage, and you can't fix your marriage. Because if you would, you, you already would. Have. Yeah. Like you need God to fix your marriage. Mm-hmm. So you need to submit yourself to God saying, here's what I've done. Here's what I'm not doing. Right. And you stop saying they don't, they don't, yeah. they don't. And you start saying, here's what I don't. Because I sit every one of them down. I said, if you were going to fix this marriage, give me three things you would do right now. And you know what? They nail it every time. Mm. They're like, well, I'd. I'd stop, you know, throwing dishes yeah, well, every time yeah, we get well, in a like, fight. What would you, what would yeah. you do differently? Yeah, what would yes. you do? Well, I, I would yeah. stop, you know, doing this and this mm-hmm. and this. And I look at the other person, I go, would that help? They're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and then what three things would you do? Mm-hmm. They nail it. They yeah. know what they need to do. Sure. What they, the problem is, is they feel justified in not doing their part because they're angry and they're ticked off and they're spiteful at the other person for yeah. what they're of doing. Of course. It, it, it's, it, a, it's a game. It's, it's a, a game. Yeah. It's a, it's a chess match of like, okay, you made this move. Well, I'm going to make this move right. to, to, to yeah. protect myself. Yes. Um, and it's two yeah. sinful people Gosh, locked in a gross. room, yeah. you know, that, that are hurting each other yeah. and in the end hurting themselves. Right. And so I, I say, look, the answer is not in you. Pray that. What, what is, what is the issue? Well, you know, we haven't had sex in three years. Okay. Why? Well, she's like, I'm, ticked off at him all the time and I don't I don't feel that anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't have any of those feelings. Okay. Start praying that God would give you those feelings right. back. Well, they're like, well, I don't want those feelings back. Well, okay, there's your problem. Yeah. You you don't want to do this mm-hmm. because it's fine. But you know, I've I've had people that have come back and said, you know what? I changed my heart. Yeah. Um I was praying that God would give me the strength to forgive. Yes. And I have no idea how because I was so ticked off that he cheated on me. I was so ticked off mm-hmm. that um, that he did this. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, like, I just have this peace with forgiving him. Yeah. And, and if you haven't taken it to the Lord in prayer, stop everything else you're doing yep. and go right there. Yep. Immediately. You know, and I, you have to want to try. Well, and, and, but even, even, even still, even still, if you're like, I don't want to try. Right. Like you said, Pray God, that please change my heart. Change, change my, my heart. heart. It's a miraculous thing. I, I'm telling you, I can't yeah. tell you the countless times that over, you know, these years of marriage where something's just been off. And you know what? I can't always identify even what it is. No. I don't know what it is. There's just right. something. And, and it makes me angry because I'm thinking, well, it, I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is. So I don't know how to fix this. Right. I don't know what to do differently. Right. You know? I just know you're and the problem. Pr- right. I just know that she's <laughs> the issue. Whatever it is, it's her. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will take it to God in prayer. In just a simple prayer. Just a simple prayer of God. Please, you be at the center of our marriage. Right. Help me. To be a better husband, a better spouse, mm-hmm. help her to be a better wife, a better spouse. Mm-hmm. And I pray, I just pray that you, that you, that your spirit works within us to help through whatever it is. You don't have to know what it is. You don't have to want to 
to be different or fix. I mean, you don't really yeah. have to. Pray that God changes your heart and helps to bring some peace and resolve in the house. And it is unreal. It, I, I can't tell you how many times. Like, we're, we're fine, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> we're not. No, we're I'll, not I'll, I'll give an example. I'll give an example. Okay. Um, my wife's number one love language is acts of service. To say I love you to my wife verbally mm-hmm. means little. To do the dishes without being asked is like I bought her a million roses. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that ticks me off because I hate doing chores. And to think that I have to do that in order for you to hear I love you really ticks me off because I don't want to. And so I know that sometimes I get in these funks where I haven't done my share of things around the house. Mm-hmm. And, and I will, on the way home, pray. Because, you know, I've had a long day. And when I get home, I, I don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to... I want, I, I'm selfish. I, and and I, I admit this about myself. I'm a very selfish person. Mm-hmm. And if I don't f- daily fight myself on that, you know, it gets ugly, you yep. know, where I, I want to go home and I just want to be catered Chill. to. Yeah. I want all my kids to be well-behaved so I don't have to deal with anything. I want or at least, to, at least to not be misbehaving in my presence. Right. Go downstairs and, and misbehave. But, but there will be days where on my way home, I will pray, God, give me the heart and the strength and the yep. compassion to, to step up. Mm-hmm. Right. And miraculously, when you know, 99% of the time I want to just sit in that chair, turn on TV, do nothing. Like I'll be like, ah, I got the dishes. Let me do this. Let Mm -hmm. me do this. I'll get the kids ready for it. Like like God gives me the strength and the patience and the compassion to do that. And here, here's the reality. There are times (laughs) I'm driving home and I know I should pray for that. Yeah. And I don't, you're like, I don't don't want to pray for that because I don't want to do it. Cause I don't want to do it. (laughs) Cause I don't want to do it. So you, and and I, but I'm being honest about that. Yeah. And, And that's what I'm saying. If you want to try, God will help you. Yeah. But the problem is so many of the times just we don't want to try. Even even in those even in those instances. And and I think this goes beyond this. There are times where I'm like, I don't want to pray. Yeah. I'm not in the mood to pray. I'm not in the mood. God, I don't want you to fix it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> How open, dumb is that? Just open up your mouth and go. And by the way, like sometimes you need to open your mouth. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. he knows. He knows. You missed out Friday night and i'm gonna ruin one joke oh okay Bargatze. okay gatsy 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 whatever we were supposed to go to nate bargatze <laughs> but we had one kid puking and another kid <laughs> on her death's door so we canceled <laughs> so <laughs> he goes <laughs> he was talking about his wife and his marriage and he said you know but i i was driving one day and i was thinking to myself I do my own laundry. I'm going to hold on to that. So he held on to it for months and they got in a big fight. (laughs) And he goes, I do my own laundry. And he goes, and that started a whole new fight. I didn't see that coming. (laughs) Of course he, yeah. Yeah. His delivery, but yeah. Yeah. it, It just, just, Take it to the Lord. Yep. I, I mean, who wants to hold on to, um, you know, a contentious Satan situation? Does. Exactly. Satan yeah, wants just us to fight. In your ear, like, yeah. You deserve, like, you deserve that. better. Yeah. Yeah. That's not fair. You know, you're, you're literally oh, hurting yourself. Gosh. And, and then I want to mm. make sure before we end, we hit on the last part of this real quick: the singles and the lust. Um, lust impacts um, married couples. And Jesus says, you know, if your eye is causing you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand's causing you to sin, chop it off. It's better for one part of your body to be thrown in, uh, be lost than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And God's saying, whatever it takes to clean up your thoughts, your mind, your eyes, your heart, that if you are constantly lusting, and lusting isn't just sexual. It's also the, the wife that's looking at the husband next door and sees, oh, look, he does everything over there. He, you know, he's handy. He, he takes care of the kids. He, you know, like he does all the, you know, mm-hmm. like lusting is just wanting something that is not yours Yeah. for your own gain. Yeah. It's wanting something that is not yours for your own gain. Okay. Um, and, and so there are lots of ways that we <clears throat> lust. And God goes, if you don't learn to be ruthlessly serious about cutting it out of your life, 
you are going to destroy whatever it is you have. And it starts all the way back when you're single. It starts with, you know, making sure that you are keeping your purity about what you are looking for. Mm. Um, And and we talked about pornography and we talked about just lust in general that, that, you know, if you are single, I, I think a lot of times when we're single, we think, well, I'll clean it up once I get into a serious relationship or I'll clean it up once I get married or it like when that day comes, then I'll do things right. You know, like, and that's not what you do. You, you got to be the person that's worth marrying now. You, if you're a young man, you need to walk with integrity now. Yeah. You need to not put yourself in, you know, like exactly what I talked about earlier. Um, if you're one of these people that um, your dates end, you know, with you on a couch at midnight watching Netflix and chilling, you know, like, um, you know, I have people that come to me and they're like, oh, I got into a bad marriage because, you know, I got pregnant. Well, you, you know how you, yeah. you don't? How'd you get there? Don't put yourself in a bad situation yeah. like that. You know, and don't put yourself in that tempting situation. Don't convince yourself, well, you know, I, I can't, I can't wait till sex till I'm 25 and get married. Like I'm 18. I got urges. I need to be taken care of now. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, that is a, a sex crazed culture teaching you that, yeah. that, that you deserve all this and you are entitled to all this and have it now. And, and young ladies, it's the same thing. Like, you know, I, I use the phrase, you know, do not compete captivate you know like it is not Mm -hmm. your job to compete with the world to entice him and to keep him occupied and no i don't want him cheating on me so i better do all these things for him i don't want him to leave me i don't want him to break up you're not his prostitute right you know because he buys you dinner i mean we make that joke all the time well buy me dinner for you know like like and you you think young ladies don't hear that right well if he takes you out on a nice date and everything you you kind of owe it to him right yeah and and no captivate this man Show him your beauty, all of your beauty. And young men, show them your, your, your chivalry. Show them the, the man you yeah. are. You said you, about your wife when you saw her, you're like, okay, I got to step it up here. Right. Like, I got to change. I got to be different. I got to be did. better. I was, I was a, a boy when I met her. Yes. Even though I was 22. You were a grown, yeah. I was, I, I, was, I was a boy who could shave. And very quickly, this woman had a full-time job. She worked nights and days. She had her own apartment. She had mm-hmm. her own car. She paid her own bills. She did everything. You know, like, and I was like, oh, I got to step up. Yeah. And, you know, and early in the dating, I mean, she dumped me two weeks in, and I had to get her back. You know, like, th- there were multiple times where she was on the verge of dumping me, of like, <laughs> you are not living up to what I, I expected yeah. you. You know, and, and, and I got resentful because I was like, you know, like she she was like my dad, my dad, you know, I was like, I'm not your dad, you know, like, but he, he is a great man. He is. And I, I realized if I want this girl, I've got to shape up. Mm-hmm. I've got to do these things. Yeah. I've got to take care of these things. I got to be responsible. I got to be a man. One day I'm going to walk her down the aisle and say, hey, uh, or I'm going to stand at the end of the aisle yep. and say, I can take care of this woman now. Mm-hmm. Like, and I wasn't ready. And I stepped up because I found a woman that captivated me enough yeah. to say, I'm going to change. Yeah. And so you, you, you got to work on your lust because it will destroy you. It will absolutely destroy you. And if you're, if you're struggling with this, if you're a dude right now and you're struggling with this, look, you are not alone. Nope. This, is, this is in Christian men. This is in married men. This is in single men. This is, I mean, this is something that we come and talk about and be like, pastor, I'm, I'm addicted to porn. It is unhealthy. Or I am, I'm addicted to lust. I am like everywhere I go, I'm just checking out women and fantasizing about women. Mm -hmm. And, and and if you're a woman and you're, you're like, oh, you know, I'm so unhappy in my marriage. All I'm doing is fantasizing about all these other, you know, scenarios and guys. And, you know, like we just need to be honest about that stuff and we can come and talk about those things. And, and the, you know, and, and if it's not me that you talk to, there's other people you can talk to. Um, but it also like, if your marriage is miserable, I mean, I just, it breaks my heart. The marriages that come in and they're like, well, we're just staying together for the kids, but we've, it's been awful for five years. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and you're just now. And they're like, well, we're getting divorced. Oh, it's okay. like, ju- you're just now coming to talk. <clears throat> you're just now coming <clears throat> to say there's an issue. And it's been miserable, but you, you waited until the kids were older or whatever it is. That's the dumbest thing I've ever yeah. heard. Come work on it now. One, one last point that I would like to make is if you have in your friend group or your family people that are 
supporting you in your bad behavior, your oh. bad choices, and your sure. bad decisions, sure. you need to get them out. Much as you pluck your eye out, right. if it's causing you to sin, get people in your lives who actually care about you, you who the want the best for you, who hold you accountable. Because if you're just looking to those people who are like, yeah, you're right, you do deserve better. Right. Yeah, she's not this, she's not that, or he's not this. He's not, he, I'm telling you, those people are miserable and misery loves company and they love to take you down. They're not your friends. They don't love you. They don't care about you. Get into a small group. Yeah. Get yourself right. Get in the book. Get on your knees and get, and get in prayer yeah. and write the ship because it is possible. It is. God, this is the God of miracles. He is the way maker. And we've seen it time and time again. I've experienced it. You have too. Don't just look for the easy button. I've here. seen so many marriages turn around. I've yeah. been a part of helping marriages turn Same. around. It, it's possible. Yeah. Great messages. Yeah. Thanks. We for got time. Ash Wednesday. That's right. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's right. Well, by the time this Today, comes out, yeah, it'll be yeah, <laughs> we'll it'll be, be gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, God bless. God bless you guys. Amen.